It's Wednesday night, so you know what that means. We're back with a very special edition this week of the Sing Second Podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Sing Second Pod and on Twitter at Sing Second. Uh, it's almost mid-November, and we're gearing up for the Masters. Yes, the Masters. Uh, is the NBA draft, so it's kind of a, a crazy time here in mid-November. Uh, the landscape of college football has been preparing for this, though. Uh, the major college football games were last week, and there are a couple next week. Well, shoot, even some of the big SEC games have been called so they could observe the holiday weekend that is the Masters. Uh, grab your Nebraska-land snacks, sit back, and enjoy our coverage of some new teams and a unique Masters event this weekend. But before we dive too deep, Brandon, what's good? I would say college football in the state of Indiana is pretty good. Purdue, Indiana, Notre Dame, lossless, undefeated. What's good with you, Kyle? What's good with you, Andy? <laughs> well, what? I know she didn't say a ball state. Can we just say Kyle just waved his hands and didn't want to talk? Is it because he's, like, nervous or embarrassed, or are we having some technical difficulties? Little dead fish right there. My computer just started making weird noises, so I had to quick mute the mic. Uh, off to a, a great start here. I was hoping my hand signals would go through a little bit smoother than that. I think – are we going to say why we might be having a little bit of technical difficulties, or are we waiting for Andy's what's good before we – like I thought maybe he'd lead with his, his big news, but – Yeah, yeah. The, master, the master start tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, uh, Kyle, what's good? Uh, yeah, I, well, I didn't know if Andy was just going to make it super awkward and just leave the elephant in the room the entire time. Uh, what elephant? If, if he's not, not going to make it his what's good, uh, I'll just officially just congratulate him as my what's good uh, on the birth of his daughter Paige today. Bright and early this morning, uh, it, he's – He's battling through the elements here. He's still in the hospital. Everything it sounds like it's going well. I'll let him tell the story, but uh, I'll use my what's good to congratulate the the Mr. and Mrs. Butler on the, the birth of child number two. Yeah, so uh, last night we rolled into the hospital about 7 o'clock, and uh, we were really going to start the process come this morning at like 8 a.m., um, but Paige was born at like 519, so we didn't even make it to that time where we are really supposed to kick things off. And uh, so there's not a lot of sleep last night by anybody in the room. Um, but it was, it was a pretty smooth uh, delivery, especially on my part. I just, you know, I hung in there. I kept my breathing under control. I, th I thought I was going to lose it a couple of times. But, you know, someone had to be strong. And I, I really stepped up today. So <laughs> as I, I get an obscene gesture from my lovely wife over there. Um, but, no, yeah, so it's, it's, it's been an exciting day. Uh, a lot of nap time for the three of us, and it's, it's been good. And just to clarify, we are doing this on Zoom, and Andy is Zooming from the hospital room. Yes, yes. And so if you hear your baby crying, is not uh, funneled in like they do the audiences of the college football games. That is a real baby in the background. We're not I'm impressed. I'm impressed with the whole family. Just podcasting from a, from a hospital room. 
Yeah, yeah, it's, it's exciting times here at uh, Ridgemont High, if you would. Danny, what's good with you? Well, actually, you you being in that room reminds me of uh, the birth of my daughter um, was on. I, I probably mentioned this maybe even last week, but um, I sat I sat in the hospital room on a Saturday night uh, when Nebraska beat Miami. So um, college football and and uh, and hospital rooms, I guess I guess they go together. But congratulations to. Uh, to you and, and, and especially to Maggie and uh, congratulations to, to Graham as well for being a, a big brother. Yeah. How do we'll you think see how he handles that tomorrow, but uh, right now he seems okay. That's what I want to know. Like, like how do you, what's your, what's your early call on that, on that relationship? Graham's he's got his, he's got a personality. He's moving around. Like he, I feel like he kind of, he knows what he wants at, at this point in his life. So is he going to be, like uh you know caring older brother is he gonna is it gonna be competitive relationship like what what's your early call well we do have some other uh baby cousins and so he's been around like infant infants but not every day for multiple hours a day and so when when we we've been around those baby cousins and Maggie's holding one, whoever it is like all of a sudden Graham kind of goes oh who's this yeah <laughs> my water all of a sudden he kind of turns into protective Graham but um we, we've been talking to him about you know hey you know you're gonna have a little sister there's gonna be another little one running around eventually and he he's all for it but that's all talk and we haven't started walking yet so we'll see what tomorrow brings. No, I believe it. He's he seems to be kind of a, a sweet, caring little guy. So he takes after his uncle Danny. <laughs> that's that's absolutely right. <laughs> Any, anything else, or you want me to start talking? Yeah. Well, what's your what's good? And I am. You mentioned it. Um, I jokingly said it on our little planning email that we usually kind of get going early in the week, but. Um, I only want to talk masters golf and I actually think it's perfect because and you even said it, Andy, an entire week before, like you were already previewing this week's games and you said there wasn't a whole lot of great games on. So I almost feel like it was knowing, knowing the people in charge of Augusta national, like they may have actually pinpointed this weekend, knowing that there wasn't going to be a lot of huge, uh, huge college football games. So I'm all I'm all golf this weekend. Um, football's been off my radar just a little bit. Uh, I'll I'll be tuning in and watching, but um, I've I've kind of dedicated this week to the Masters. It's I would compare probably my my passion for Masters golf to Brandon's passion for college football. Um, one thing I've kind of learned over the over the years about Brandon is he he's in love with everything that goes on around college football, the visuals, the sort of emotion that goes with it, the, um, the history of it. Like he doesn't get, except for his specific teams, like, and maybe I'm speaking, you know, maybe I'm wrong here, Brandon, but I feel like you love college football um, for everything that goes along with it, regardless of like the results, like, Right, thumbs up. Yep, thumbs up. And 
So just, just it being master's week, I love the golf course. I love the fact that, um, this, this, the same tournament is played every year at the same exact golf course since like the 1930s. Um, the course has evolved and changed over time, but it's still the same golf holes, um, the, the same challenge for the guys. Uh, so my, my what's good is actually a podcast I listened to earlier today. It's called No Laying Up. Um, and they had an author uh, named Wright Thompson who they were talking to. And actually a few weeks ago, um, Brandon brought up an author from, from the 1930s, uh, Grantland Rice. Is that his name? Um, who kind of had sort of like the, the hold on college football. He had the real um, dramatic, flowery, flowery language that he used in his writing, um, painted a picture with, with, with his words. Um, and, and this Wright Thompson, I think, is, is similar to that uh, in our modern era, era, the way that he writes. Um, and he's obsessed with the Masters as well. And so I would recommend for anybody that's kind of ready to get into Masters Golf a little bit to check out the No Laying Up podcast and look for the, the episode uh, featuring Wright Thompson. So my what's good is, is Masters Week. Um, I could talk about it for hours. Um, but uh, I guess I'll, I'll throw it to you guys. You, you excited about the Masters? Is that something that's going to be on your TV? Or, or is uh, college football still going to be kind of the – the primary thing for the weekend. I think well, real quick, Dane, I heard a rumor that you may have bought an even bigger TV that you're going to have set simply because of the Masters. Is that is that accurate? Oh, that's partially accurate. You know, uh, Black Friday deals are coming out already. I actually just purchased a 55-inch uh Roku TV for $148 on walmart.com. So uh, it'll probably be too late by, by the time that anybody's listening to this, but I thought that was a heck of a deal. I actually have no idea what I'm going to do with that TV yet, um, but it's kind of one of those things that's, that's too good to pass up. So I guess, that's you know, your- that is, that is, that is, that is going to do light work on my, uh, on my Nebraska land uh, bank account. That's just a little skim off the top of the Nebraska land account for a nice big flat screen smart TV. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I have it hooked up in time for, for the masters, but it'll, it'll look good. And that to me, kind of going back to my comment about Brandon, like the visuals are, are a huge deal to me uh, when I'm watching football or when I'm watching golf. And that's what I'm most looking forward to is, is seeing uh, Augusta national actually with no fans because I think we're going to get the full layout of the course without having thousands of fans walking around there. And in 4K. <laughs> right. <laughs> Can't forget that. Kyle, you're probably our, our next golf guy. What, what do you think about the old Masters in November? Yeah, it'll feel weird. Uh, it'll be interesting just to see kind of how different the course looks because this – Masters weekend is almost like a national holiday for some people, and it's the same weekend every year. So the course looks the exact same every year, and it's obviously going to look different. It's obviously in the the heart of the South and in Georgia there. So um, trees will look different. I'm assuming the course is still going to be in 
pristine shape, but uh, I'm interested to just kind of see uh, how early they have to get going so it doesn't get too dark uh, because I think that'll play a factor in it. Um, I think it's really interesting that uh, College Game Day made the decision to, to broadcast from Augusta instead of being at a, at a college football game. I honestly think the only reason why they did it is because it's so hard to get anywhere close to Augusta. And, and I think a lot of those guys that are on that show are big golfers. So they're like, oh, this is going to be a great way to, to get to the course. But, uh, yeah, I don't know how, how into it some of you got, uh, how you guys are. Uh, I know, obviously, Danny's into it a lot. But we have a couple of favorites, Bryson DeChambeau and, and Dustin Johnson. As of kind of right now, we're the – the odds-on favorite or the betting favorites to win. Uh, I know if you guys have been watching it at all, John John Rom uh, hit a, a hole-in-one on the par three course uh, as he skipped it across the lake on on purpose. So that was kind of a cool shot to see. And uh, I don't know. Do you guys know know enough about it to to kind of pick your pick your winners here? I like Tony Fee now. Is yeah, this the tournament that always has the par three challenge or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of the par three challenge, uh, a couple of years ago, Tony Finau hit a hole in one on the par three challenge. And as he was celebrating running up the green, he dislocated his ankle, rolled his ankle, and his, it was dislocated. And he just pops it right back into place and continues to go up to the green. So uh, that was kind of. The, the viral video coming from the Masters a couple of years ago. So, Brandon, you have Tony Finau. He is uh, – he's plus 3,000. He looks like he's about uh, – tied for about the 10th favorite, highest favorite going into the weekend or going think, into the Masters. I think he's just my favorite golfer right now. So, I that's who I want to win. I also like uh, John Rahm quite a bit now. Now that he's a little less – profane uh when he's playing you know compared to a few years ago he's not quite as as i don't know it seems like he composes himself a little bit better now yeah. and i i find it easier to cheer for him now too but yeah, he, he used to he used to kind of throw a little fits like he was he was a little bit of a baby <laughs> he'd get he'd get bitter um but let me tie a couple things together from from what uh the the previous discussion was so yeah, Tony Finau uh, dislocated his, his ankle a few years ago on the par three co course after his hole-in-one. Uh, and then he went on, like, he had, like, full spats on his ankle and actually played the first two rounds that year really well, I think. Um, but the par three course is where college game day is going to be set up. They're going to be over there um, kind of overlooking a pond on that par three course. And normally Wednesday is where the par three tournament um, will take place. And, and it's kind of just a big, a big celebration. The players will have their kids out there caddying for them. Um, just, it's, it's kind of a, a fun day uh, for the players, but I'm going to take it in a, in a little bit morbid direction here. Um, the original founder of Augusta national um, was, was Bobby Jones, the famous amateur golfer. And then another guy, I think his name was Clifford Roberts. 
and Cliff Roberts dedicated his entire life to like making Augusta National into what it is now. Um, he he was kind of like on the forefront of of televised golf. He got CBS into it. Um, he built this tournament into what he thought it should be. All of the cool stuff that you think and we all think about the Masters Golf Tournament um, was pretty much the brainchild of this guy, Cliff Roberts. Well, as he got older, he started having some health problems and he actually went out in the middle of the night one night, walked over to the pond, like right around where college game day is going to be set up and committed suicide right there. Uh, And they ended up scattering his ashes in some unknown location on the golf course. So um, not to, not to be a downer, but it's just all sorts of really just different, interesting stories that, that sort of the lore of, uh, of Augusta National and the Masters Golf Tournament uh, that, that draws me in. And just to, to bring back Wright Thompson, a lot of those little 45-second, uh, like, little videos that are narrated, a lot of time Tom Rinaldi's doing those. Um, that's, that's sort of Wright Thompson's job for the week. So if you hear a little Southern voice and, and those, those video segues, tune in because you're going to hear some you hear some good stuff. So, Danny, uh, who, who are you taking? Who are you picking? You want the short, medium, or long version of this? Because I feel like I've been given the long version uh, all along here. Well, so I'm just going to throw this out to you because I, I haven't talked to you about it today. But instead of having our burrito bet for a football game, I think we should uh, – me and you should have a, a draft of about five guys and have a little – snake draft in terms of uh, picking winners and then we can either say whoever picks the winner or whoever has the lowest overall score I think that would be a, a pretty fun and if Andy and, and Brandon want in on it maybe that can be a little post-game show on on our little master's draft but let, let's go medium give me give me the medium version okay well first of all I should I should state that I do owe you a burrito that's going to be delivered Friday um, for my loss, picking Georgia against Florida. So congratulations on that. Um, I'm, I'm down for a, for a little Masters uh, burrito, burrito bet. But I think it's going to be – my pick is going to be Dustin Johnson. Uh, if he doesn't win it, it's going to be Webb Simpson. That's the, that's the short version. It's DJ. If he doesn't win it, it's, it's, it's Webb Simpson. So that would be kind of like your, your favorite bet versus maybe your, your bit of a long shot. Yeah, Dustin Johnson is kind of co-favorites right now. And we said that uh, Tony Finau is plus 3,000. Webb Simpson is plus 4,000. He's about, uh, I'd say, about 15th down on the list Yeah, uh, I saw in terms of 15th favorite. I always listen to live at the Masters. Um, they, they film it every night on the Golf Channel, and they always show all the press conferences and, and interviews. And uh, Dustin Johnson – I think is pretty well known for his arrogance. That was the most arrogant I've ever heard him. So either he's just going to dominate like Tiger used to, or he made flame out and not even make the cut. So that's why I'm throwing my backup pick. Like he was saying, best he's ever played golf, best he's striking the ball, best he's putting, like name any category of golf. DJ right now um, thinks he's doing it better than he ever has. And he's got a really like, he's got a nice beard going too. Um, so it, either that means he's going to destroy everyone or he's going to, he's going to get destroyed. So that's well, what I'm taking. 
he did just win $15 million playing golf because he was a season-long champion. So his confidence should be up. Andy, what do you got? Well, so I was just going to ask, and I think maybe this may date or show my hand of how much I have not followed golf since the Masters wasn't originally in April. But why is uh, Jordan Spieth so far down? He's the guy who usually leads for three of the four rounds at the Masters, right, and then usually blows it the last day. Isn't that historically kind of what he's done? He, he, I mean, he's won it, but he's done that a few times. Okay, um, so I just want to make sure I, I was, like, talking about the the right thing because he is, you know, at the bottom, almost at the midway point of the pack, and uh, he's a guy who's usually minus 15 after two rounds and eight-stroke lead and then ends up in second place or something like that. So I just – I was curious on what's going on with him that he's so mediocre right now. He's he's just had a bad, a bad like, couple years. He's struggling. He hasn't really identified or said why. He's all about the positive talk and, and you know, positive thinking. But, um, yeah, he's he's been struggling. I wouldn't put him in the, in the favorite category. Yeah, I've been trying to predict all year long, just like, okay, this is going to be the tournament that Spieth puts it together. Okay, now this one. And I, I've gotten burned every single time by him. And obviously – we're amateur golfers at the very, very low end, but we know how fickle golf can be. And he is just in a, in kind of a headspace where nothing seems to go right. I think, I don't know. He He's not a long ball hitter, but he's usually really accurate coming into the greens. And currently there's just so many big hitters here that I, I don't know if he's getting a bit intimidated just by how how much farther he is back from some of those other guys. So then he thinks that a short game has to be even more perfect, but yeah, he, he's just been struggling. Uh, I will say he, he's his worst he's done at the masters is la- is the last one where he tied for 21st and he earned $108,000. That's the, that's his least earnings of any masters that he's played. So, I mean, he's, he's still making money, but. So put, put him as the favorite. Yeah. So Brandon took Tony Finau. Uh, I guess we're letting Danny take two guys with uh, Dustin Johnson or, or Webb Simpson. But oh, actually, can I interject real quick? Of course. <laughs> the guy that I want to win is Justin Thomas. Oh, so, so you're taking three of the top 15 favorites. As I, your want, I want JT to win. I think DJ is going to win. If not, we're giving it to Webb Simpson. It's got well, okay. So when we're, I think you've already made three of your picks on our burrito bet here. But uh, Andy, do you have do you have something pulled up to where you can at least give us a name? Tiger Woods is is still available. <laughs> so I was thinking either Justin Thomas until Danny swooped in at the last minute made a trade. Oh, he's not my pick. He's who I want to win. You can pick him. Um. But I think I'm going to go with old uh, Xander. I don't even know. What's his last Stoffley? name? Always Stoffley. a good pick. Like, just because just of his last name, like, you know? That's... Yeah. Now, I just want – so, do you know who that guy is at all, Andy? Not really, no. Okay. I, this will like be, a, fun, be, a, dentist. be a, a fun short game, okay? <laughs> what race do you think Xander Shoffley is? I have his picture pulled up, and I can't tell. Oh. I still can't tell, though. Yeah, sounds like kind of a white guy's name, or at least last name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
not white. But I'm I'm glad I was. It's, it's made it clear around the horn, and my guy still stands. And obviously, Danny would know who uh, who I'm riding strong for, and that's uh, that's my guy Brooks Kepka. Uh, I just love that guy. I love the way he carries himself. I love the fact that he's one of the world's greatest golfers, and he's a guy that actually has admitted that he doesn't enjoy playing golf that much. He's just extremely good at it. Um, I think anytime we get into the majors, he's always a guy that uh, should be kind of top of the list. Uh, I think he's with this time off, he was kind of hurt and injured a little bit throughout the summer. Uh, but I would put my money on my man Brooks. That's not – that's the least surprising thing ever. Well, of course. it's Like, you knew it was, it was coming, but uh, – I always give people – One pick. You don't have a backup? What if he – what if he uh, doesn't make the cut? Then uh, – uh, well. I don't know. It's, it's just kind of like I've been on the the hope that Spieth could put it together. Like, and, and he hasn't had as bad of a season or, or a year, but – like Rory McIlroy is just a guy that that's always close, but can't really kind of put things together. Like he'll win a bunch of tournaments uh, that not a lot of people know about, and he just hasn't been been able to put it together. Because if you kind of think about like the, the guys that were supposed to be the guy, first it was it was Rory, then Spieth came along, and now it's like the the field is so deep that um, those guys are kind of getting lost in the shuffle, but uh, I would take the two heavy hitters of being uh, McElroy and Kepka. I, I always pick Xander Shafley in, in your, in your contest that you send out just because I think that guy is about as steady as they come. Um, but uh, no, I'm, I'm just excited to watch it. Like uh, they tiger proof the course so much uh, because he was just dominating in the early years that, um, it actually sets up for a left-handed golfer a little bit more than a right-handed golfer, which is why uh, Bubba Watson has been able to put a couple of victories together. Um, but, no, I would I would say pretty close to the top. I don't think that there's going to be kind of that unknown guy uh, that just comes out of nowhere just because I think with, with the layoff that we've had, um, I think all of the, the big guns are going to be ultra-focused. A lot of them have probably been down there a long time throughout the fall getting ready. So, uh, like I said, I would I would put money on the, the best golfers in the world carrying through. I don't even know. Podcast. Now, I, I, I'll make one final comment, and is that – and I don't even care who wins. I, I like it to be an American. I just feel like at, in the end I'm always kind of rallying around – whoever the Americans are, even Patrick Reed. Um, but to me, it's about, it's, about, it's about the course more than it is about the players. So I encourage everyone to tune in and just look at the, the beauty of, of Augusta National. And hopefully you, do it in 4K. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you the two guys I don't want to win. Patrick Cantley and Tyrell Hatton. Just all summer long, people have been putting them in these little contests that you have. I never heard of them. I never picked them. I'm just, I'm tired of hearing those names. So sorry. I'm, I would not be hoping for the, either one of those two guys. All right. Moving forward back to the old football pod here. 
uh, last week, Brandon had the week of weeks where he went three and one in his picks. Uh, Danny and Kyle both went two and two in their picks. And the sole last place pick in last week was yours truly. Oh. Position and last. So hold on real quick. You just said that Brandon had the week of weeks well, when three he went and one. three and one. And <laughs> I went undefeated in the week prior, and it's just like a ho-hum thing. Yeah, uh, we're going to swipe that. that. We're going to swipe that under the rug there. <laughs> People get we're sick picking, of We're picking way tougher matchups last week. What? But yeah, so uh, the the new leaderboard, uh, Kyle is 25 and 10. So you say it's new, but it's it's really just pretty much more of the same. <laughs> more of the same. Uh, Brandon is now in second place at 22 and 13. Uh, I am 21 and 14, and Danny is 18 and 17. Hey, over 500. Good work. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Now, I, I do want to make this one quick comment, and then we can, we can move on. But, like, picking just winners should not be that difficult, Danny. No. You should be well over 500. But do any of you guys watch the, the Sunday night preview game or, or the Sunday night pre-show uh, for the Sunday night football game? Yeah. All they're doing is picking winners, and the best that anybody can do on Sunday Night Football is one game over 500. I think Rodney Harrison on the NFL pregame show is no joke, like two and six. And on Sunday night, a little plug for my uh, New Orleans Saints, every single person on, on set and that made the pick, and it was like eight guys deep, picked the Buccaneers, and the Saints were up. 30 or 28 to zero before the Buccaneers had their first, first down, I think. So just oh, goes to Danny, show you. You've got a bright future ahead of you working for ESPN. I don't know. I honestly feel like I'm picking the same teams that you guys are. Like, I think this may be a little funny accounting or something. And you guys, this well, is like a, this is like a season long joke that you're playing on me. And I just get worse and worse every time, but I feel like I'm picking the same, the same teams you guys are. Well, Danny, I've broken it down for you. And when we pick the SEC, you're 0-6. And, and when we pick the Big 12, you're 0-5. And so you're not really putting yourself into a great spot by uh, going 0 for in two of the, two of the top five conferences. Whatever. That's why I keep stats. That way we can have this talking point and really focus on how we can be better. I'm picking the SEC to get more COVID. Just put me down <laughs> yeah. for that. It's the safest bet, I think, right now. Well, shoot, there's like two or three games only played this week. Um, so far, as of Wednesday night, we do have five games scheduled. Um, shoot with Maryland-Ohio State getting canceled this afternoon and two-thirds of the SEC games and a couple Sunbelt games right around where the Masters is being played, ironically. Um, just saying. They're, they're canceling so that way they can observe the holiday. Uh, but the first game, like it is every week, uh, it's at 11 o'clock on Saturday. This is a FS1 game. Uh, Penn State, who enters 0-3 at Nebraska, who is 0-2. Uh, Penn State is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Kyle, what are your thoughts here since this is the one game you're going to watch? I put a lot of, lot of thought into this one, especially on Saturday. Uh, I was so disheartened by the, the performance against Northwestern that uh, when the when the game was over and they lost, I, I texted the group that 
uh, I told them that I was done watching college football. So uh, I flipped it over to my trusty Saturday morning faithful, Roseanne, uh, for about a three-hour marathon after the Husker game. And it got to the point that it was so bad that my mom was down here visiting that at about six or seven o'clock that night, she, she asked me the question that Danny's asked me many times. She's like, so do you even watch college football? And uh, at, once she said that, I did flip it back over and, and watch some of the late games. But it's such, like I said, so disappointing when you look at just what happened against Northwestern. Uh, I thought we were, were the better team, but I had no idea what we were doing at the quarterback position during week one against Ohio State. Uh, they Both McCaffrey and Martinez were playing. Uh, it was kind of mix and match, and McCaffrey and Martinez were both in the backfield. And then we went the entire first half with uh, McCaffrey getting one carry or not even one carry, one play. And then as soon as the second half started, I, I have no idea what changed so much that then now we were going exclusively McCaffrey with nobody uh, even knowing where uh, Adrian Martinez was at. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'll make my pick first. Well, what did you guys think about that Northwestern game? I was pretty disappointed. <clears throat> pretty disappointed. It's just the same old – kind of dumb mistakes you know and then yeah the whole use of McCaffrey I don't know if it's maybe just if you think he's the guy and you because I think it's too much for him from my point of view to see I'm trying to think how I want to say this I think it's too much for him to try to worry about being a lot of different positions you know yeah and uh you know and you see that sometimes he he makes an electric play and then sometimes he'll fumble the ball or sometimes that, you know, like when they put him in on the first series where he was quarterback before, you know, it, it's third and forever, you know? And, and I think if you think he's the guy, if you don't think he's the guy, then let's just have him this year. Just go with the running back drills or go with the inside receiver drills and have him focus on that. Like, like Bobby Newcomb back in the day, uh, you know, when, when Tom Osborne was there and, and Scott Frost was the quarterback, actually, and, and Newcomb was a freshman receiver. And then if you think he's the quarterback, then let's just have him focus on quarterback. I don't, I don't think it's that he's not intelligent, but I think it's too much for him right now. And let's just have him in there because I really felt, I mean, none of those two guys played a great game, you know, and and it's pathetic when, I don't know if it was 75% of our offense is quarterback scrambles. You're not going to win. You're not going to be a successful team when you, when that's your, when that's your, what you're making your living off. Our, of. our best play was just like a straight quarterback draw. I felt like. Yeah. Yeah. With See, the no, running Brandon, back leading in. Brandon, I, just, I take offense to that real quick, just simply because that was Navy's offense three of the last four years was let's run a pass play and have the kill Harry or Perry or whatever uh, scramble. So it's a little upsetting that you're okay. Okay. With it being a Navy play for a thousand yards, but when officers <laughs> do it now, it's now we have standards. Here's the thing, you know, when you run the spread, you don't do that. 
And yeah, I just, you know, and some of it I'm sure too was the shuffling of the offensive line around, a different person snapping the ball, and some of that timing could have been off. But I think make up your mind who you want to be the quarterback. And I really think if we would have stuck with Martinez, yeah, he threw the, he wasn't real accurate with his all of his passes, but uh, I I feel like he would have he made a few nice throws though, you know, and he looked healthy to where he could make something happen. And I think he would have gotten Nebraska in the field goal position one more time. And we, you know, we could have got that one point. Everybody talks about all oh, Northwestern never gives up any points in the second half. And I really felt like that was all because of things we did, not so much of Northwestern. That's, yeah. that's what I thought. To me, there was a stretch there. And, and obviously in the game, uh, McCaffrey was much more accurate throwing those little quick hitches to the outside. I, and maybe we, uh, we found maybe a, a second, second receiver to go to with, uh, was it Ferguson, number six? And it was kind of nice to see somebody else. But then it, it kind of came down to me as, like, we can only do one thing every time. So, like, we tried to give the ball in the first half to Wondell Robinson – 20 times it felt like. And then in the second half when things got rolling, like I thought he was hurt and maybe he was because he wasn't back returning that punt. But then he, he came back out and, and caught the first pass of that last drive. But when we got down inside the 10 and inside the five, it looked like we had a team that had no idea what plays were coming in because McCaffrey was literally going up to three different guys and telling him something. Like they were having conversations in the middle of the game and then all of a sudden he's trying to throw a route across the middle and it hit his own lineman in the helmet and caused an interception, which kind of brought me back to the old Jamal Lord throwing it, skipping it halfway there. And just, it, it looked like once we got inside the 10, it like we had not worked any of those plays before the signals were off or, or something. And like I said, when, when we threw the interception and then they showed the replay and it literally hit one of our old linemen in the helmet uh, that, like I said, that's when I was just like, I was losing steam. That that drove me crazy. And I think that was something that was said on a, on a group text. Like, how, how are we that clueless about what's going on? when We've literally been practicing for like months and months. Like we've had a thousand practices. How are we that discombobulated, especially in the red zone? My, my only other comment is that what I kept thinking during the game is just, what is our offense? Like, what is our thing? What are we trying to do? What is the, the thing that we think works best for us? And for a while, like I said, it was just a quarterback draw. And then we're trying to drive the, the ball down the field. And we have some time dropping back and end up just throwing like a, a three-yard out pass or something. Just, I think our offense has absolutely no identity, which is surprising to me, uh, given, given – coach frost's experience and, and background but no it's it's frustrating my uh i didn't watch roseanne um but i did it was a super windy day and so i went i have a big tree in my front yard that dumps a ton of leaves so i just went and raked all my leaves out towards my driveway and let the wind just carry them away and that was like a little little cathartic to me um we have a friend his name's tiger uh that lives down the street kind of from me and and I just let the uh, let the wind blow the leaves down 
down towards Tiger's house and it made me feel a little bit better. So, um, I don't, I don't know if we're picking, are we picking Penn state, Nebraska yet? Are we still uh, venting about the last game? I'm ready to pick. And I, the first couple of weeks I've been so pro Nebraska. So I think we do have a lot of talent, but, uh, maybe I can have a little reverse jinx on them. When you told me the Penn State, I, like that was one of the numbers I hadn't looked up yet. And Penn State, oh, and this is bad, but only being a three-and-a-half point favorite, as bad as we've looked, um, especially in Northwestern. Uh, like I said, part of me is hoping that it's a reverse jinx, and then the other part of me saying, like, well, hey, at least if Nebraska loses, I'll get some sort of a positive out of it. Uh, but I'm taking Penn State. I think it'll be weird. Uh, it, it's okay when it's other people's stadiums, but I do think it's going to be really weird watching a Nebraska game uh, with no fans in it. it it'll feel kind of like you're watching the, the D2 state championship game uh, because I think that at least the players will, ha- will be able to have their parents there. Uh, but, no, I'm taking Penn State and hoping that I can have a little, like I said, little reverse voodoo on them. Brandon, what's your pick? Well, I think Nebraska players want to win really bad. I think the Husker fans really want to win really bad. And I think Penn State wants their first win really bad. But I think the Penn State fans really want them to lose because they're sick and tired of Coach Franklin. I think they've been ready for him to to leave for a while. And on I listen to a lot of Philadelphia sports radio because the Eagles and stuff, nobody ever calls in for college sports. Uh, but rarely if somebody does, it's somebody's calling in to talk about what an idiot that James Franklin is and how he wastes their talent. So that's given me hope that uh, this this has to be the week. They just can't keep losing. Here's the week where, where we get a win. Let's do it, Huskers, somehow, some way. All right, so I think Brandon kind of picked an interesting point about Penn State being 0-3, uh, losing a competitive game to Ohio State, losing kind of a fluky game to Indiana, and then Maryland kind of taking it to, to Penn State. Uh, it just came out today that their star running back who set out this year, Journey Brown, has a heart condition, so he has to retire for good. And I feel uh, they'll kind of rally around him. I, I think Penn State's going to notch win this column. Danny, last one, what do you got? Um, I, I'm an emotional Husker fan. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm the guy that says I've given too much to this team and I just can no longer devote my entire Saturday uh, to watching my team lose. And then, you know what I'm going to do on Saturday? I'm going invo- I'm going to devote my entire day probably to uh, – to watching the Huskers lose. So um, I can't confidently say anything good about Nebraska right now. I, I think it's comical that we're 0-2, Penn State is 0-3, and yet we're still, we're still not favored in this game. So, no, it's, it's, uh, it's a Penn State win. Okay, quick right, so. question, quick poll question. More morbid conversation – this one about the Huskers or Danny bringing up the fact that the guy who developed the 
Masters Augusta course uh, committed suicide on some lake that we're going to be watching all Saturday for. <laughs> Which one was more depressing? It, I, I I don't know if you if you were to read about the suicide, it wasn't that depressing of a suicide to be it was, honest. It was one of those happy ones. <laughs> no, it, it's oh, it's an interesting story. Do we still have that coin? The, depressing is the yeah. is the Huskers in the last ten years. Yeah, where's the coin situation at, Danny? Hmm. Yeah, that coin sit next to you. Just flip it. Let's see who's gonna win this one. I oh, think it's a coin flip. I just meant coin flip, which is more depressing. <laughs> <That was. laughs> All right. So the game two uh, of our weekly picks here uh, is a Friday night game, six o'clock on FS1. It's Kyle's game. It's Iowa, who is one and two, in Minnesota, who is one and two. Iowa is a two and a half point favorite. Kyle, what do you got? Uh, I really don't have anything specific on this game as I was as I was kind of going through a lot of these. I was just kind of scanning games that I thought would be interesting and uh, a lot of games that were close to me picking, but uh, I just kept coming back to this one. Uh, might be two of my my least favorite uh, teams that Nebraska plays. Iowa, just because like people are trying so hard to make that the rivalry, so trying to buy into that but then like Minnesota is just always a game that I hate to lose uh they would rank right up there with uh with Northwestern on these teams that I don't ever think should be on the on the same tier as us but we've just fallen so far uh that it, it's always a close game and they've actually kind of taken us to the woodshed a couple of times recently so uh Kirk Ferentz and and the fighting PJ Flex going at it I think would be Kind of an interesting matchup, um, but I don't know. I think I think Minnesota is kind of on the the down down slope of their high that they've had the last couple of years. Uh, I think a guy as strong headed and, and strong willed as PJ Fleck uh, can grow stale listening to the same message over and over and over again. Um, so if if I'm betting on that, uh, I was kind of just the establishment, you know exactly what's going to be expected of them. You know what you're going to see. Uh, so I'm, I'm taking the Hawkeyes, and P.J. Fleck is going to have to continue to uh, bang his own drum louder so he can think that people can hear him. Brandon, Iowa, Minnesota, who you got? Uh I was always like beginning of the year. I was always way worse than end of the year. Iowa, and I think now we're going to start seeing that transition where I was going to keep improving so that they're really good when they play against the Huskers towards the end of the year. So I'm going to go Iowa on this. I think they're going to win. For for me, uh, Minnesota is very much one-dimensional this year. Uh, Ibrahim has ran for like 250 yards his last two weeks, um, and they're one and one in those occasions. Tanner Morgan is not the quarterback that he was last year. Uh, Iowa is getting a new quarterback, but Iowa usually does pretty darn good against the run, so I'm going to go Iowa just because of the uh, kind of the different identity that they, they're bringing to the table this year. Danny? 
I know you got a soft spot in your heart for PJ Fleck. Let's bring it home. Yeah, well, I mean, strategically, I probably should pick Minnesota just because I, I got to claw back here. But I think doing that would only make it worse for me. And um, I did make a – I made a character mistake earlier this season. Um, I claimed to some people that I was starting to respect Minnesota football a little bit and maybe even starting to, to garner a little respect for P.J. Fleck. And uh, as soon as I said that, uh, the Gophers started having a terrible year. And it reminded me that I hate P.J. Fleck, and I don't want the Gophers to do well at all. And I, I no longer do have uh, any of that respect for the program. And it feels good to, to be back to, uh, to really having no regard at all for, for P.J. Fleck and the Minnesota Gophers. So, um, obviously, it's, it's going to be Iowa uh, with the win on Friday, right? You said Friday yeah, night? Friday night lights. I will throw in that uh, I got a little project. Uh, my wife and I are going to be repainting some cabinets over the weekend. Um, so I'm not going to probably be paying a ton of attention uh, to football. I'm going to have the Masters on. Football is going to be a little bit on the back burner. So um, what, a, what a good week to, to have a little uh, household project to be doing. Boom. So all four of us on the Iowa bandwagon for this week. Maybe not bandwagon. We're picking Iowa. Uh, game three on the docket is an 11 a.m. kickoff on Saturday. It's the ACC Network. It's Wake Forest in North Carolina. Now, North Carolina is a 12-and-a-half, uh, if not 13-point favorite by this point. Um, Wake Forest is quietly 4-2. and two. Uh, North Carolina is 5-2. and two. And so – uh, Wake Forest has obviously lost to Clemson, and then they lost to North Carolina State, whereas North Carolina lost to Virginia and Florida State, and those two losses kind of keep looking worse and worse by the week. Um, but they have key wins against Virginia Tech and North Carolina State, and so they're very different conflicting styles. Uh, Wake Forest wants to kind of take the air out of the ball and win with good defense. They have a pretty dang good defense. Um, with takeaways, they don't have a great defense yardage-wise, um, but, you know, they're 4-2 they're and two for a reason. Uh, they did have their North Notre Dame game postponed, so they could easily be 4-3. and three. Um, But I heard an interesting thing uh, on one of my random podcasts I listened to that uh, North Carolina would much rather beat North Carolina State, much rather beat Duke, much rather beat Wake Forest uh, than the random Virginia, the random Florida State games. And so for that fact alone, I've got to go with, uh, North Carolina. Kyle? Um, yeah, this one's interesting to me. I think I was kind of uh, talking my, myself into, into something here. I assumed that uh, everybody was going to be picking North Carolina, and that's where I was leaning, but uh, I'm not a huge North Carolina football fan. I do like uh, their basketball team, but uh, as I do watch North Carolina football every once in a while, they're, they're never a team that wins the games that you think they should. Um, somehow they always find a way to, uh, to manage to be kind of uh, an eight and four, six and six team somewhere in there. Um, so I think I'm going to kind of buck the trend a little bit. Um, their, their next couple of games – 
they play n- number two Notre Dame and number nine Miami uh, after a week off. So I think they're going to start looking ahead, thinking they're a lot better than Wake Forest. So I'm going to take the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Solid reasoning there. Brandon? I'm going to go North Carolina. They're on their way to battle uh, Notre Dame for the ACC championship game. Yeah, I looked at that, Brandon. I don't think there's any way they make it just because they don't play Clemson. What do you mean? Well, earlier earlier was North Carolina was going to knock up off Clemson for the uh, for the championship, but now Brandon's just throwing Notre Dame in there. Yeah, well, Notre Dame's the new class, and then uh, <laughs> North Carolina's the backup class, and then uh, so yeah. Like it? What are the odds of of Notre Dame actually winning the ACC right now? Like they they got to be pretty good. Well, if you look at the percentage predictions to make the the final four, and I know this has nothing to do with the the ACC right now, but um, ESPN put out predictions of the final four, and Clemson, although they just lost to Notre Dame, uh, had a higher percentage chance of making the college football playoffs than Notre Dame did. I think it was like 46% to 45%. But Clemson still had the higher, higher record. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong. In, in terms of the ACC championship, it's not going to be based on uh, the divisions, right? It's just going to be the the best two teams playing. So um, chances are we'll we'll have a chance to see Clemson and Notre Dame play again. My uh, my uh, Clemson grad sister-in-law. I had that conversation with her about. Um, would you rather have won this game and face Notre Dame again in the championship, or would you rather have lost this game in overtime and, and play them again in the championship? And, of course, when you're a fan, it's easy to talk yourself into, you know, we'll lose this one, we'll meet them again, we'll beat them. But I do think there's some truth in the, uh, the fact that it's pretty hard to beat the same team twice. So um, I think things are still going to be okay for, for Clemson. But – I'm picking North Carolina in this game. I have to. Um, I, I've been I've been on them and in uh, Coastal Carolina this year. North Carolina's had a, had a couple slip ups, um, but I'm I'm gonna have to pick them in this game. All right. So Kyle, the the guy in first place, maybe either uh, extending that lead or giving a game away here. Wake Forest, while we the rest the three of us pick North Carolina. The fourth game on the docket is a 3 p.m. kickoff. Uh, you're going to have to find it online somewhere because there's no TV listing for this game. It's Brandon's game this week. It's Hawaii who enters in at 2-1 and one at San Diego State, who is also 2-1. and one. Brandon, go ahead. Well, Hawaii wasn't on TV last week either, and they played, they played super late, so that's kind of weird, um, especially with – not as many games going on, and there's not a lot of other football on at those times. But I still picked it because I think it's a good matchup. Hawaii is 2-1. and one. They beat New Mexico last week. Uh, but Hawaii got whooped by Wyoming. Uh, Wyoming ran the ball real well against them. Um, defensively, Hawaii uh, pressures the quarterback pretty well. They have six sacks and four interceptions. 
uh, in their limited games so far, which is pretty decent. Uh, I don't know. Is it Siobhan, Chevin, C-H-E-V-A-N is his first name. Um, Cordero, the coach. Uh, he likes, or I'm sorry, the quarterback. Um, they like to have him spread the ball out, but he's not as as accurate as what I would think of with your traditional Wyoming quarterbacks who seem to always, in other years, complete 80% of their passes and put up these crazy stats. His His stats aren't as good as other ones, so they'll still try to win their game through the air and mix in some of the run. Uh, San Diego State is 2-1, and one, and they lost to kind of a sneaky good San Jose State last week. Uh, San Diego State's going to look to run the ball. They don't throw it near as much. Um, they have a running back who whose name is familiar to us, old Greg Bell. He averages over five yards a carry and has averaged over 100 yards per game uh, so far. And so they're going to obviously just try to limit possessions for Hawaii, slow down, slow down the pace of the game, have time uh, possession. Um, I would say San Diego State's defense has been pretty good as well against the pass, which can help them against Hawaii. They've had six sacks and three interceptions in uh, limited time this year. So I'm going to pick San Diego State to win a – I don't know, to win the game, San Diego State. Uh, Kyle. Now, I really did think that the the overall leader got to pick last, not first, but uh, I always like the Aztecs. I always think that they're a pretty strong uh, team, and I don't honestly don't know, like, how much it just wrecked the bodies of uh, – of Hawaii players to have to take. And, and I know it's probably every other week, but just these long flights that they have to go to, like there can't be an experience of another college football player that's matches what it must be like to, to be a Hawaii football player. Not only, uh, not only because of the travel, but just like, just imagine what their practice facilities must look like with, with just the backdrop of Hawaii being there. Like, I don't know how they ever even feel the team because there's got to be a million other things you'd rather do besides go play football in Hawaii. But uh, I'm taking San Diego State. Uh, it took me till I was about 12 years old, growing up where I grew up, that uh, this is kind of the, the premier SDSU. Uh, when I hear SDSU, I immediately think of uh, South Dakota State and the, the Jackrabbits. So, I was going to actually make a joke and say I was picking the Jackrabbits, but uh, I do like San Diego State, so I'll take them over Hawaii. Uh, Kyle, you're right. I don't know why I've been going to you first all night. I apologize. It's- hey, it might actually work out best for me because I don't let I don't have Danny's picks like hurting my uh, my thought process here. I don't want to. You don't want me clouding your judgment. Yeah, I don't want the poison in the well. <laughs> Uh, so for me, uh, seeing them lose to San Jose State last week was kind of eye-opening because San Jose State, for the longest time, struggled to win two games. Um, but I think Brandon hit on the head there, sneaky good. They kind of started to turn around last year. Uh, and with Hawaii, you just never really know what they're gonna, you're going to get with them. They'll look good one week, 
and then bad the next weekend. I think Kyle and the the travel and uh, the life in Hawaii may have a lot to do with that. Um, but I'm gonna go with San Diego State. Danny, bring us home. Yeah, I mean we've we've discussed uh, my favorite cities, and San Diego's in the top three. So um, I've, I've got to go with them. Plus, they're like a pretty heavy favorite, and I. I need to go with the favorites these days. Um, but, yeah, uh, Kyle mentioned um, why would you want to leave Hawaii, and I would say the same thing for San Diego. And is uh, – who's San Diego State's coach? Isn't it uh, former – Brady Hoke, right? Yeah, Brady Hoke back at, back at San Diego. So that's kind of cool. All right, so all four of us – the old Aztecs. Our, our last game is a 6 p.m. kickoff. It's on Fox. It is 1-0 Oregon at 1-0 Washington State. This is Danny's game. Danny, go ahead. Well, it's Battle of the Undefeateds. <laughs> I, I owe an apology to Brandon. I think this was the game that he wanted to, uh, to preview. We had a little, uh, little email malfunction, and I I jumped on this one for probably not a lot of good reasons. Um, so I may throw it to, uh, to Brandon to, to highlight Oregon because uh, that's, that's one of his teams. Um, but I, I kind of wanted to – I picked this game for a few reasons. Um, I, I needed to pick a night game. I did mention a, a household project uh, that, that we're going to be working on. So I thought there would be a better chance of me watching football at night because it would be after the Masters – um, after, after getting some work done during the day and I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of fading away from big 10 right now. I feel like every big 10 team like is and something. Um, and of course, Ohio state, uh, isn't even playing and they're probably the, the one team that, that might be worth watching. Um, I think is Wisconsin, Michigan on Saturday evening. Right now, uh, so, yeah. Wisconsin can play football these days. Yeah, I, so I looked at that one as being like kind of a maybe an interesting Big Ten game, but I'm just I'm not really I'm kind of sour on Big Ten right now. So I wanted to get a little a uh, little different kind of football in. So I picked I picked Oregon, Washington State. Um, Oregon obviously uh, is is probably the better team. What I didn't realize. Uh, is that Washington State in their opening game had 32 players out. Um, they were without 32 players. And when they asked the, the coach about it after the game or, or early this week, uh, who, by the way, was the Hawaii coach for the last three years, um, he, he took over the Washington State program this year. He wouldn't even say, like, what it was. He wouldn't say if it was COVID. He wouldn't say why. 32 players were missing. Um, so, so it remains kind of a mystery, uh, which I think um, a, a lot of football programs right now are, are in kind of that, that situation where they'd love to have a lot more guys on the roster than, than are really available. Um, but I just wanted to watch a little, little different kind of football. I wanted it to be in the evening. Um, I, I picked this game for only those reasons. I'm picking Oregon to win. Uh, because they're the favorite and, and they're probably the better team. And who knows uh, how many players uh, Washington State will actually still be be missing this week. So 
Um, I don't know what the order is. I'd throw it to, to Brandon to give us a little bit more insight if he wants to on, on the Oregon team. Sure. Um, I would say the good news for Oregon is that Mike Leach is gone uh, because Washington State in the last five years is 4-1 and one against the Ducks. And last year, Oregon won, but it was only by two points. It, it was really lucky. The bad news is, is that Nick Rolovich, uh, who used to be at Hawaii, um, he's like got a huge man crush on Mike Leach and uh, has gotten into a lot of conversations with him and stuff uh, for offensive philosophies and things like that. And ultimately, that's kind of what I think landed him the job at Washington State was because of that that similar offensive philosophies and stuff like that. Uh, so the game does, I would be concerned a little bit if I were, if I was Oregon fans, Oregon going into this year was going to be a really good team. Even without Justin Herbert, uh, they lost, I can't remember 12 or 13 uh, solid players that opted out this year due to COVID. And uh, so when they were going against Stanford, I really thought they would struggle. I kind of thought Stanford would maybe win. And uh, Oregon, physicality-wise, like, out-muscled Stanford again. And that used to – Stanford used to be – Stanford and Utah were kind of the two physical teams of the Pac-12, which isn't saying a lot. But, uh, but they would be physical by a lot of team standards. And uh, they just ran – I mean, they threw the ball pretty good. Uh, with Tyler, is it Tyler Shaw? How they say it? S H O U G H. Um, he won a, a quarterback competition battle, kind of, kind of later in the game, and and he managed well. He had some nice throws too, but Oregon's running attack, compared to last year, I I hated everything about the pistol offense that they ran. Oregon's got a new offensive coordinator and. The running was so much better. They have just like awesome uh, counters to their runs, like where they would run uh, like an inside zone play. And they have like this kind of fullback tight end kind of position. Now he would come across and, and block the backside pursuit of it. And they just kept running that play over and over and over. And then in the second half, they would run the same play but instead of him crashing down to pick up the block, he'd go out for a pass and it was freaking wide open every single time. And I mean, they really had by the end of the game, they had a uh, Stanford on their heels. So I think offensively, they're going to be a lot better this year being physical, um, being tough. CJ Verdell is a great running back. Travis Dye is a great running back. Um, and I, th I think they're going to beat uh, Washington State. But I got to put a plug in for Mario Cristobal, again, who I thought was one of the dumbest hires anybody could ever make in college football. And I, I thought it was stupid. And to this day still, I would say, Mario, for other people to say, you can't recruit in Oregon. And then he says, well, that's weird because I can pull in top 10 classes very easily now. And uh, I think he's a top five college football coach. And he's got this team going on the in the right direction right now. They, he's good. You, you mentioned, you said, if you if you were an Oregon fan. Right. Um, but I always thought you were, you were an Oregon fan. Is that still the case? 
Well, I still root for them, but as I confirm my reallegiance to the Huskers, I'm, you know, the Huskers are my, that's my team, but I, I will not root against Oregon. And I still, I was pretty excited watching them play against Stanford and pretty fired up, but they're not my, you know, they're not my number one favorite team, but I will, I will root for them except for when they're not playing against the Huskers. So. Can I, can I interject something real quick? Just a possibly. Just a, sorry, Andy. But is does Scott Frost get a free pass this year? Do, do results matter at all this year? You want to know what concerns me a little bit is when you said you don't know what this offense for Nebraska looks like. It reminds me of the offense at Oregon when Coach Lubick was their offensive coordinator the year that everybody got fired. That's what <laughs> this offense, it's just, it's what it reminds me of where it's like, man, this, this thing used to be like a, just a Ferrari. You just have to go in and maintain it and, and it's going to run itself. And then all of a sudden, like things were not going very well. You know, they'd, they'd get the three and outs early on, you know, and then put the defense in, in rough situations by being on the field so much. And, uh, you know, just everything predicates on being able to get first downs so you can keep the chains moving, so you can run fast tempo, and you can wear out the defense and then you, or your, their defense, then your defense is rested, and then they can play aggressive. And if they make a mistake, who cares? Because you're going to go out and score another touchdown real fast. And then that's how, that's how this blur offense is supposed to work. And – I, I don't think there's any way you can – I think the only coaches that are really in danger this year would be Franklin probably. And if Harbaugh doesn't start, uh, I don't – you know, if he loses half his games. But I think especially in the pandemic year, you got to, you know, just say, hey, man, they kept the players healthy. Um, they, they got them going to classes and out of trouble and stuff like that. And Nebraska does all those things really well. They just need to translate some success on the field. Yeah, that's that's kind of my question. Like, if you compare Frost's record through his first, whatever, 17 games to to Mike Riley's, Riley's record might have been a little bit better. So, like, do you think is, – is that the general consensus? Like, get us through this season and we'll see what we can do next season? Or is there pressure on – Frost at all because like it, conceivably we could we could play five games this year and win like one of them I think uh from my from my perspective I would say uh Bill Moose would have to worry first you know what I mean uh he Scott Frost will last longer than he would and then when the new guy comes in then that's when you got to kind that seems to be the Masters week uh, par for the course, you know, at Nebraska <laughs> with, uh, you know, somebody, Tom Osborne has an influence of a hire, new AD comes in, gets rid of that guy, brings in his new person. Tom Osborne comes in and gets us an influence of a hire, new guy comes in, gets rid of him. And then Tom Osborne, you know, helps get us Scott Frost, you know, and, and Bill Moose is kind of on board with that. But I think, I think he's safe, you know. I mean, if, if he can't do it, if he can't turn it around, nobody can. 
And so we might as well just ride it out and see, see what he can do. That's my yeah. opinion. I, I still have confidence when I look at him on the sideline. But if you look at our schedule, and it's not like I think that he has a chance of, like, being let go or anything. But if, if we only have one win out of the seven or eight or whatever we're going to end up playing, it's like we become even a bigger laughing stock than, than we already are. And, and honestly, we have nobody that we can throw a 20-yard post route to. Like, nothing drove me nuts more than the, the couple of times that we did try to throw it deep. We were th- throwing them to slower, unathletic tight ends that, quite frankly, Allen, who's actually having a decent year, he's 6'8", and I don't trust us ever throwing him the ball. And then we have that new tight end who, whose name I can't pronounce, nor have I ever seen him before. Is that and like a long hair guy starts with a V. Yeah, and and Multiple we actually, yeah, we kind of actually threw him some of the biggest passes of the game, and he didn't catch any of them. And the one was honestly the one truly deep pass we threw, and the DB was on him so tight that he didn't get a pass interference because the tight end just could not run away from him. And then therefore he was just right on him as they threw it across the middle. So until we see, and I don't know, Omar Manning was on the field, but I don't even know if he had a ball thrown his direction. Like he is kind of supposed to be that first guy that, that Frost has brought in. Uh, I was actually trying to think about, and then Andy, hopefully you haven't forgotten who you're going to pick. (laughs) <laughs> as we dive back into the Nebraska conversation. But I was actually kind of thinking about, like, how do we not have a receiver that can do anything? And and wouldn't this have been about the time where Keyshawn Johnson Jr. would have been about a junior-senior? Like, with that last recruiting class that Mike Riley brought in that was supposed to be decent? Or would he have already been here and gone? Well, that's exactly what I said two weeks ago when we were talking about receivers. I said there's like 50 names that we've been mentioning and and just hopes that someone's going to step up. And I think we're seeing that we got 50 names, but I don't think there's anybody that's really stepping up too much. Yeah, they keep talking about this freshman receiver class and they they weren't ready yet. Now they're starting to get ready. And I don't know, like I said, until you essentially have a – all of the coaches' guys here, you probably always need to err on the side of positivity. But, man, going back to our more depressing parts of this conversation, it was, it's still frustrating. But back to Oregon and Washington State. Yeah, Danny, next time you have a question, please put it in the chat and we can <laughs> <laughs> um, Back to Oregon. So, Brandon, about 15 minutes ago, brought that. Oregon got a new offensive coordinator. Uh, his name is Joe Moorhead. And Joe Moorhead was the OC at Penn State when Penn State was 10-2 uh, and two every year. Um, I think he's a better fit for Mario Cristobal because um, Cristobal wants to run the ball. He wants to be that Alabama force. Well, his offense last year was kind of old-school Alabama where they were going to beat you running the ball, and they are going to beat you with good defense. Well, now Moorhead is a 
Um, a true kind of draw plays up in the sand and make a complete uh, package that defenses have hard time stopping. So I feel like we're going to get closer to the Oregon of old where they're going to put up a ton of points and still play good defense just because Chris Ball is still there. And so Oregon, I think, is going to solidify itself as a Pac-12 leader easily this year. Um, but who knows with what, like a six-game schedule, if that's going to be enough to even qualify for the for the college football playoff. And Kyle, uh, last pick of the night here. Um, who you got, Oregon or Washington State? Part of me wanted to say Washington State just because, but uh, go ahead. I I don't have any real knowledge about Pac-12 football. Part of me Do you know just where Washington State is. What Pullman? Pullman? Yeah. Yep. Uh, I was looking, and, and I'd, I'd love to give a, a shout-out to Andy here because I was just kind of Googling some things as we were talking, and uh, one of the first websites that popped up was Andy's own Winsipedia. <laughs> so uh, I clicked onto it and because uh, it does always feel like um, when Washington State is down, that's when they give – teams like Oregon trouble and uh, before last year, like Brandon said, Washington State had won four, four in a row. Um, but uh, long story short, I'm picking Oregon. I, I do find it interesting and I don't know why, because it's, it's really not that interesting. But as I was searching through this, uh, Oregon is playing Washington State. And you guys know who, uh, do you know who uh, Washington is playing? Oregon State. Oregon State. So kind of a basketball type of deal. Yeah, like uh, the battle of north uh, northwestern states here, uh, as as the two Oregon's are now taking on the two Washington schools. So I thought that was kind of a cool subtext there to to see which state can hold hold dominance over it. But I'm taking the Ducks, hopefully big. Boom. Uh, I've heard a lot of lost stories about how. Uh, playing at Washington State is one of the worst places to play because you can't fly directly into Pullman. You've got to fly into Spokane or Seattle or whatever and then bust like the three hours or whatever. So it's like just monotonous and breaks it up. Um, but anyway, so just kind of recapping, we're all pretty much straight across just simply because of the matchups this week. Kyle did take Wake Forest over North Carolina. And so, we can all either gain a gain a game on him here, or he will extend his lead uh, pretty early in the day there, as that's an eleven o'clock kickoff. Uh, as we end every podcast with a little "What's good?" or "She's uh, not with what's good." Uh, there's that two hours of sleep coming back through uh, an extra point because we just scored a few touchdowns there. Uh, Brandon, extra point. Yeah, with the old name as seeing second, and kind of a tribute to. The tradition started with the Military Academy's football team. I'd like to say happy Veterans Day to all those people who serve and uh, to their families of people who serve, you know, for all the sacrifices and, and support and all that stuff. So happy Veterans Day. Danny, extra point? Yeah, uh, going right along with that. Um, during World War II, so I'm bringing it back to the Masters. This is a little bit more positive story than my morbid one earlier. Uh, during World War II, Augusta National shut down. Um, they didn't allow golf. 
and they actually raised uh, raised cows and turkey uh, on the property and, and used the proceeds from that to uh, to support the the war effort. So um, I'm with Brandon there. Happy Happy Veterans Day and Happy Masters Week. Uh, I hope everybody everybody enjoys the weekend. Uh, for me, just one last time, uh, Andy. Congratulations! That's it's a awesome thing. Uh, I hope everybody is, is doing well there. Hopefully, our our droning and uh, nonsense that we've talked has allowed Maggie to just drift into a a good night's sleep. And hopefully, uh, hopefully, you fit on the the makeshift couch slash bed. Uh, a little bit better than I did when I was up there and my feet hung six inches over the, the edges of it. Well, while you're six one six two, uh, fine. You don't really have that problem, so we'll be just fine there. Andy, I'm, I'm just going to recommend you find some excuse, like something you guys had to have left at home. Like, just be like, hey, I'm going to run home and grab that thing that we absolutely really need. And you just go, you take a quick shower, you, you lounge a little bit, and then you – you're spry and eager to, to come back to the hospital and, and help. But um, congratulations to you and your family again, buddy. Well, Danny, um, we plan on going home tomorrow. And so that's not really an option because she'll just say, well, we've made it this far. We can wait or whatever. But she's also not really giving me the best look right now as you, as you brought that idea up. Um, but, again, I appreciate it, guys. It's been kind of a fun little exciting day. Kyle, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I don't know what it's like in uh, in the post-COVID world up there, but when I was up there and I had to spend three or four days up there, I found out toward the end that the downstairs cafeteria puts on a really nice breakfast. So make sure you, you sneak down for a little nice nice breakfast. If, if no, I had a nice home. Yoplait yogurt this morning, so that's about the extent of what breakfast was. Um, but no, shoot, this, I, I didn't think we could go any more remote than being on Zoom, but we have raised the bar because now no one is in the D Street studios. And so um, we have maybe exceeded all limits of being as remote as possible from the old studio that it was so long ago. It feels Shout like. out to the Great Plains Health Wi-Fi connection. It was pretty smooth. Uh, there's a few times where it got choppy and I, I missed a few sentences and I got nervous, but hopefully we don't use it. Here's, how, here's how old I am. They didn't even offer Wi-Fi last time I was there for my last birth of, of child. Uh, yeah. I will, look, at those, look at those gray hairs coming in nice. I, I will also say, though, because uh, my wife, before we started, asked me if we were still recording. I said, yeah. And she's like, without Andy? And I said... No, Andy's doing it. And then she uh, she then told me, well, just so you know, you will not be recording a podcast uh, if and when we have more children. So uh, put me down for a few months from now that maybe I won't be able to uh, participate in the podcast. That, that was right there, an announcement, too, to all the listeners. <laughs> all our, subtle. Uh, subtle. From all of us here at Sing Second, enjoy the Masters this weekend. The nice part about that is they start at like 7 a.m. and they go through mid-afternoon and you can really kind of make a, a whole weekend out of it and uh, enjoy the hopefully the Nebraska game. 
that Oregon game to probably end it at, uh, at the old 6 o'clock. Get another good Saturday night rest. Um, but shoot, we'll see you next week here at the Seeing Second Podcast. Thank you.